0: All this week, as part of his Micropolis series, WNYC's Arun Venagopal is examining religious life in New York, when personal beliefs spill out onto the streets. Today, he considers the Hare Krishnas. The religious community was birthed in the East Village and then largely disappeared from public view for years. But now, they're back. Nihal Kajam remembers the precise moment when he encountered the Hare Krishnas in New York. He was wearing jeans and a black Megadeth T-shirt.
1: I've grown up just like listening to like heavy metal, you know. And like Megadeth, Iron Maiden, Dream Theater, Metallica, Slayer. I still have my Slayer bag. He was in Union Square, near
0: the statue of Mahatma Gandhi. I'm
1: just like, yeah, I'm the badass metal dude, you know, just like
0: badass Indian guy. He was just about to buy some halal food, some meat. But the sound of the Hare Krishnas, a small group of people dressed in saris and traditional Indian robes, chanting, just captivated him. Whoa. Nihal's a student at NYU from India. He was raised in a religious Krishna-worshipping family, but said he'd personally dwindled, grown way too proud of his basketball skills, his jump shot, fallen hard for a girl, and then had his heart broken. And so about eight months ago, this 19-year-old South Asian metalhead moved out of the dorms at NYU and into the Hare Krishna ashram in Bed-Stuy. He's given up meat and he's now celibate. In fact, whenever he sees a cute girl, he reminds himself.
1: I'm like, no, that's just a pretty bag of bile and mucus. Bile and mucus. Bile and mucus.
0: He sees a slightly stunned look on my face and says, it's not the girls per se, it's the problem of lust, the way in which people these days transact so superficially. With the Hare Krishnas, he's found a sense of purpose and a philosophy that bonds him to the men and women around him.
1: All these people in the ashram, like if it was not for their mercy, I'd be so lost. However, the irony
0: of this strange cross-cultural encounter doesn't escape him.
1: Look at me now, my guru is a white guy.
0: (laughs) The Hare Krishnas are making something of a comeback in New York. One by one, they're drawing in new followers. White guys, black guys, women too, and trying to make their presence felt in public spaces.
1: For some decades, the chanting was hardly heard on the streets of New York.
0: This is Abiram, aka John Sims. A 62 year old who presides over the ashram.
1: Some of us had gone abroad. I was in India for 20 years.
0: Abhiram was given his spiritual name by Prabhupada, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, who arrived in New York in 1965, formed ISKCON, the International Society for Krishna Consciences, in the East Village, and became one of the central figures of the counterculture. Because of him, the Hare Krishna chant was everywhere. On the streets, in pop music, and on TV shows like Firing Line, Ready. where poet Allen Ginsberg sang it and kept singing it to conservative guru William F. Buckley.
1: That was the most unhurried Krishna I ever heard.
0: But by the late 70s, Prabhupada had died, and the Hare Krishnas had developed a reputation as religious nuisances, willing to aggressively push their literature on strangers in return for donations all in the name of Krishna.
1: The approach to the public became more and more essentially dishonest.
0: Steven Gelberg joined in 1970 and left in the 80s. He told me about a Krishna technique he observed called the change-up. First, give someone a book. Then on second thought, ask them for a little donation and convince them to hand over, say, a 20 with the promise of change, which was then withheld.
1: And so they put people in the position that they had to be almost rude and saying, no, give me more money back. I'm going to give you $5. I want $15 back. So it became a very manipulative. Uh, thing, and, and that really pervaded the, the organization.
0: The pushiness of the Hare Krishnas and other religious movements at the time was immortalized in the 1980 comedy Airplane, when Robert Stack's character, a tough guy pilot named Rex Kramer, arrives at the airport the, the Reverend Moon, and has to sidestep, then shove, Juice for Jesus? then slug, about Jehovah's Witness? and then kick How about Buddhism? one religious recruiter after another, until they're all lying in a pile at his feet. Apparently, this scene was hugely popular with audiences when Airplane came out. That was in 1980. And then came various scandals. And people left the fold, moved away. Some of the devout, like Abhiram, went to India and started chanting there. Years went by. And then Occupy Wall Street happened. And a couple of Hare Krishnas led the occupiers in chanting. That prompted the Krishnas to start their own daily chant, in public, regardless of the weather.
1: We decided that we should bring the Hare Krishna mantra back to the streets of New York City, just as the Occupy Wall Street have gone to the streets. Abhiram says the two
0: movements have something in common, a shared critique of the system, of the capitalist society in which we live.
1: No social change ever in history comes from the intellectuals, comes from the leadership comes from the vested interests. Ever, never. It always comes from the bottom. It always comes from the street. And so we're taking it to the streets.
0: So I go to the ashram in Brooklyn to check it out for myself. Stay overnight, get up at 4.30 in the morning, like most of the others. Shower, just like i had been told. And show up for the 5 a.m. group chant. It's held in the basement. After which, everyone goes their separate ways and prays individually. Except for a few who are sleeping in, and a 20-something, Brajaraj, who's in the kitchen, cooking breakfast for everyone. The kitchen is also the site of the most zeitgeisty aspect of the Hare Krishna comeback. It is in here, four times a week, that the residents of the ashram create what they think of as the finest cookie in New York City. An organic, gluten-free, vegan, dark chocolate chip oatmeal raisin cookie that is surprisingly moist and quite tasty. John Zirka helps oversee the cookie division, Krishna's bakeries, and he took me upstairs to a bedroom that has a little Krishna altar in the corner.
1: We just take one cookie, and when we offer him that one, we offer with the consciousness that he, you know, takes from the whole lot. When he takes from the one, then the whole lot is blessed. Yeah. It all becomes prasadam.
0: And so, where they were once putting books in the hands of strangers, it's now premium baked goods in high-end coffee shops. The Krishnas know that few people will devote their lives to chanting or living an austere life. But a consecrated organic gluten-free chocolate chip cookie for three fifty? As the Buddhist said to the hot dog vendor, "Make me one with everything." This is Micropolis. I'm Arun Vanagopal at WNYC.